Welcome to 1721, a podcast all about shining a light on the path to authentic unity. I'm your host, Evan Black, and in our inaugural season of 1721, we are shining a light on what the minority sees that the majority cannot. In John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus prayed that we would be one, just like he is one with the Father, so that the whole world may believe. In this bonus episode, we're going to continue a conversation that we started previously with Chauncey Hollingsworth and Juice Sutton. This conversation is powerful, it's enlightening, and I pray that you would be empowered through this conversation today. No, no, that, that's, that's, that's good and that's powerful. Um, I, I know you guys were, were uh, involved in these protests. And, and let me say this, the, the protest and all of this with George Floyd and Minneapolis, and then you, know, you had right after that, you had Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, and I mean, the, the, the hashtags and the names just go on and on. One of my big points on this is as horrible as any of these scenarios are, they're not isolated incidents. No. So this is not just about Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. This is not just about Ahmaud Arbery. It's not just no. about Breonna Taylor. This is a culmination of what you guys have talked about is there's been a problem for a long time. I, I would maybe even argue and say it's been a problem since the inception of our country. So this is not something that the media is feeding us every time they get footage of something like this. Yes, mm -hmm. they may know that it brings viewership and it riles people up, but that that this is a historical problem. I, I know you guys both were really involved in the protest. Um, Juice, let's start with you. What? Tell me about what you were doing and what it was like to actually be out there protesting. Um. Well, yeah, I. After the situation, I kind of got uh, heavily involved in um, it kind of in a way it kind of woke my eyes up. So, like, even while I was protesting, um, I just it felt good to see so many people because it wasn't it was so many people of different ethnicities, et backgrounds coming together for one cause to 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 fight against injustice. And so for me, I was like, I need it really tugged on my heart to, like, do more. And then I kind of had this realization that um, after the, after the riots had happened was like, because one of the things that people get confused and we talked about this earlier is they were confusing the protests with the riots. Yeah. And those were two completely different situations. Absolutely. And so for me, when, after seeing that and after seeing like the, the destruction in the community, I, I looked at it as me and a couple of other friends who are also comedians were like, we need to empower our community because I'm like, at the end of the day, nobody's going to look out for us except for us because like we've, we've, we've tried, you know what I'm saying? And, and even looking outside and talking with different people, some people are just not going to get it. Even in the Bible, it says the, the breath of salt off your shoulders and keep it moving. Like there's some people that will never understand, even if you try, because they're comfortable in, they're comfortable in their their worldview and right. they don't want their worldview to be changed because then that will require them to go out and and act which is weird mm -hmm. to me as a christian that you're comfortable seeing like you, that you would literally create these delusional like these delusional concepts in your mind to give you an excuse to be comfortable where you are because god moves 
when we're uncomfortable. That's when he works. Mm-hmm. Like when you're if you're comfortable, that means you're doing you're not doing something right. Like you need to be going out and act. Like a lot of it, it made me laugh that the people that I had conversations with, I'm like, y'all will literally go to another country to do missionary work. Yeah. But the missionary work that needs to be done is literally right down the street from you. Right. And, so, like, oh, you all, and I'm just like, and so even if you look at Acts, like God, he says, go make disciples first in your community and then spread out and spread out. So I'm like, right. how can you go and teach somebody else about God that's so far away, which don't get me wrong, that needs to happen. But mm-hmm. when you come home, you're not talking to the person at Starbucks right next to you, or you're not talking to the person in the inner city that's literally a 10-minute drive from you. Some of these people live in these communities and still aren't doing anything. So, like, my biggest frustration was, like, I'm all about action. Like, I don't... I, people who talk a lot, that's that's cool. Like, you can talk a lot, but I'm, I'm more of a person who likes to see action. So, for me, I was like, how do I... How can I reach the young generation, or how can I reach people in my community that are obviously hurting? Because mm-hmm. the cup, we only got one grocery store in the North Minneapolis, mm. which it 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 got closed down. So nobody could get groceries for a minute. Buses weren't really running like that because of coronavirus. So the nearest one was like 15 minutes in, in Robbinsdale. And so nobody was doing anything as far as how are these people supposed to get food? How are these people supposed to get like diapers and different things mm-hmm. for their, you know, for their kids and stuff? And so we took a big look at that and I was like, Okay, I really felt the guy had put on my heart that yes, some people are designed to protest, some people are designed to rebuild. And I was like, I think my job right now is to help rebuild the community that I grew up in, that I was raised in. And so we created this, um, we created this nonprofit that basically would give out, we would take donations and then we would redistribute them to the community. The first day was trash we had like two two bottles of water uh we had like two cases of water and a couple of diapers um we literally went on facebook live and instagram live and was like hey this is what we're doing um our community's hurting we need this literally no no joke no cap the video went went viral like it went super viral next day mm-hmm. we're getting boatloads of people dropping stuff off and we only have four volunteers <laughs> So we're like getting all this stuff and we're like, yo, we don't know what to do. So then we were like, yo, we need like people who who are in the community to help us like distribute this stuff. Because like we literally look like a hood Costco, like all the stuff that we were receiving. And I'm like, maybe people are doing this because they feel bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to the suburbs. But I dropped off a bunch of stuff for the urban community. And so it was it was one of those things. But we got a lot of volunteers. We got to talk to a lot of people. And just kind of share the perspective of what it's like to be in this community. And people who are from the outside looking in got a chance to see what the community really is and not the perspective that you see on the news. And they were like, wow, this is really like they, they got to they got to have their own interpretation. And so that's what I had. I like to have conversations with people because I'm like, we love to judge people based off what we see on the TV, but you never want to go in that community yourself. Like I had a lot of conversations with pastors where I'm like, how can you say these things, but you're not even like, you're not even trying to disciple. Okay. Yes. You're against the riots. I get that. As a Christian, isn't it your job to go into, into evangelize to these people that are doing the wrong thing, not sit up here and type on Facebook and on Twitter. Like that's not changing anything. I'm like, if you think they're doing something wrong, go teach them. 
Yeah. Oh, it it might be a little dangerous. Da, da, da. Right. Yeah. What? And, and, yeah. And even if we step back a little bit from that, you know, like Jesus was asked, what, what's all this about? What's the most important? He says, love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. And then they said, well, who's my neighbor? Like, what does that mean? How do I do that? And then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Literally. <laughs> like, like he, he literally emphasizes there's this ethnic gap and divide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what it means to love your neighbor <laughs> is to do good by that person. We're, we're not told. I mean, we believe that it was the robbers. You know, I mean, we're told it was, you know, but, but we don't know if he deserved it. The guy laying there left for dead. We don't know if he deserved it. Like, did he try to rob the robbers? Did he talk yeah. smack to him? Did he, did he throw a punch? Like, we, we don't know. Yeah. Why don't we know? Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. No, seriously, though. You see a brother hurting. Like, we have a responsibility as a Christian to not look at that and say, well, why are you hurting? Did you deserve that? Did you? Yep. Did you play a part in that? Why? You know, George Floyd should have done this. He shouldn't have resisted. He should have just gotten into police. Like, as a Christian, there's a point where that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because when we make it matter, what are we doing? We're being the priest and the Levite in that story. Yeah. We're the ones by. For whatever reason, we're walking by. This is not my sermon time. This is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember we said we, it might go anywhere. You right? No, I mean <laughs> that 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 gets me that gets me fired up. Um, yeah. The justification to not show compassion, I, I'll never be able to wrap my mind around as a Christian or as a pastor. Chauncey, what about you? Tell us about what you did during the protest and uh, what that was like for you. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, Actually, so we kind of got pushed into it a little bit. Um, so our church is right in North Minneapolis, which is uh, predominantly the, it's the urban community. So it's predominantly the black community. And um, our church is on the main street of that community. And um, we started off was like, hey, well, let's do some barbecues outside. So our church started doing like some, you know, just doing some hamburgers and hot dogs type of thing. And then next thing you know, people just start dropping off donations to our church. Well, I found out that it was one of the larger, um, the larger uh, churches here in Minneapolis or Minnesota. They basically put on social media that our church was a drop off spot for donations, but we were not. <laughs> and so then they people just started pulling up, dropping off stuff. And we're like, yo, what is going on? And then we end up finding out that one of these larger churches end up doing it, which we were super grateful for. Uh, my issue with that and my problem was, uh, why now? Uh, and I think that's the part that hurts a lot as a believer, because it's like you see all these bigger churches that have the resources, they have the finances, all these different things. But. They've never been seen in the community. They've never been in. Literally, you can drive 10 minutes down. You could drive 10 minutes down the highway, Highway 35, and you could have been supporting and funding. And, and the part that hurts for me is like if these people were doing what God has called them to do, then why do we have so many churches in the urban community that are closing? Yeah. They're closing the doors because they can't keep up. Why is that? Why, why don't they have the resources to be able to have the same you know, access and tools that, 
you know, this church in the suburbs have? Like, you know, why is that the case if the church is actually being a church? Which is a whole other conversation that, you know, I, I would definitely be willing to have. Uh, yeah, because I have some issues with that. But like we just started serving probably at least a thousand families every single day in our community. Um, and I have, I have a lot of cool, amazing stories of just meeting guys, you know, in the community, people that came out to serve, different churches that came out to serve. Uh, one thing that really sticks out to me was there was an old lady that was, uh, she was uh, living in the, the elderly home about two blocks away from the church. And this elderly lady, she came over in a wheelchair and she was coming over to get some diapers for a grandchild. And uh, she was coming over just to get some diapers. And then she saw that she can get a bunch of other things. So she got a bunch of other things. And then me and she had to take it back to her apartment. So uh, me and another buddy, we helped her take her bags. We walked in, you know, walked it over to her apartment. And then we went up to her apartment to, you know, to um, take it in there for her. And the Holy Spirit on the elevator was just telling me, you need to give her some money. Um, so, we get in the um, we get in an apartment, and I give uh, the apartment is just really hot. This lady is probably like seventies, and she's in a wheelchair, and this apartment is just like dumb hot. And I'm like, yo, shouldn't they be taking better care of these old people, like than just like having them in, you know what I mean? These hot like yeah. apartments, like with no air conditioner, no like nothing. I'm like, yo, what the heck? So. So I, I felt terrible. So I, I gave the lady 40 bucks and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, give, give her more. So I gave her, tw I gave her another 20. Then I gave her another 20. Then I gave her another 20. I gave her a hundred bucks and the lady started bawling, crying and, and she gave me a hug. And this is during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> and the lady gave me a hug and she's like, nobody's ever done nothing like this for me in my life. Wow. And, and it wasn't the situation of me doing it for her. The situation that really opened up my eyes was the situation that really hurt was the fact that uh, it was just a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, let's be honest. It's just a hundred dollars. But if a hundred dollars to this old lady is that life changing as the church, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like just being real, like as believers, what are we doing? We can't say that we are for, you know, the poor and we're for this. When the Bible t clearly talks about poor people more than it talks about a lot of other things in the Bible. And right. it's like, you know, and, and we're not doing those things. We're not impacting people in those areas and those spaces. Like if you can tell me if the church is actually being a church, there is no reason that the urban communities in this country should look the way that they look in every single major city in this country. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Man, what a powerful story. Let me ask you this, though, about that story. You, you just had $100 in your, in your wallet or something? Like, you, you had cash on you? Like, man, how, how old are I you, man? I never carry cash. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't had Bro, cash man. on me in, in years. I need, to not, I, need to, I need to not be having cash on me. It's so bad. Listen, you know what's crazy is because my uh, – my rule growing up, my cousin, so I had a cousin that was about, he's like two years older than me, and he, he got robbed. <laughs> he got robbed for $5 one time. And he was like, man, I just got $5. 
And they was like, man, give me your $5. And he was like, all right, bro, if you go, I don't want you to shoot me over $5. So he gave him the $5. And I said, ever since then, I'm never having cash on me. And then I didn't keep up with that. <laughs> I was just listening. I was like, man, how old is Chauncey? I thought Chauncey yeah. was younger than me, man. It's, uh, all, all the older people I know carry cash. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, geez. So y'all have talked about this a little bit, but the uh, the the protests were going on. And then, you know, next thing we see on the TV, especially and on Internet, is, you know, these riots, stuff being burned, looting, all of that. Talk to us about that. Um, Juice, you, you want to go? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So me seeing it. So the first night that it happened, I kind of witnessed it firsthand. Um, and it's and this is what I when I when I talk about uh, the media feeding different agendas um it was two separate groups really so we were protesting at the at the precinct um and it was it was young young kids actually from the suburbs of caucasian descent uh that <laughs> that uh <laughs> and like i i just tread lightly with that that um you know like like any to be honest like what any young kid would do a lot of those people weren't there for the right cause and um, they found an opportunity to to loot. And so once that happened, a lot of people saw it. And when you have people that live, a lot of people live day to day, not knowing how they're going to have their bills paid, how they're going to eat, how they're going to do these things. Mm -hmm. So when they see an opportunity, when they see an opportunity like that, they're going to jump on it because it's like, what? I can have food and I can have all of this stuff. I can have this because we we live in this American dream, like this is what it means to be successful. And so uh once that happened, it just it just caught fire and went everywhere. But the, the crazy thing that a lot of people don't understand is the people that were protesting, most of those people, one, had already went home. Mm. And two, the and a lot of the a lot of the people that were actually protesting were actually trying to get people to stop looting. And so I think that's the perception that a lot of people didn't understand was they thought that the same people that were fighting for justice right. were the same people that were taking advantage of the situation and breaking into, uh, into companies and things like that. And, you know, people were saying like, Oh, they can bounce back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that just the lack of the lack of education that a lot of people have from the outside looking in, was that see th this is why this is why all lives matter not black lives matter because y'all don't know how to get y'all stuff together and it's like that's not true it's it's literally impossible to have an entire ethnicity on the same page like it's impossible right like, you can't there, there's always going to be different perspectives there's always going to be people that do different things because not everybody everybody's lifestyle everybody's worldview is completely different and so if you have somebody who who is growing up with nothing and doesn't even know how one they gonna feed themselves, and two if they have a family, like how they gonna get fed, how they rent gonna be paid. You see an opportunity to get free food, they're gonna take it every time, you Back. know. And so, and so, like most people in the inner city don't even know how to do arsony. Like, <laughs> so like when you when you think about that, when even for me, like growing up, I'm like, I don't even know how to blow stuff up. Like most of the kids don't even know how to blow stuff up. And even the day after you would catch people like um, when we were protesting the next day, um, 
there were people that were throwing eggs and all types of stuff at the police. And like when a group of us had to like tackle some kids, they were from Lakeville, which if you don't know where Lakeville is, it's like 25 minutes in the suburbs, like really nice neighborhood. And they were, they just was like, yo, we just here to have fun. Cause they were scared. Cause they thought we was going to beat them up. But I'm like, I'm not going to beat you up. Like, I just need y'all to stop because y'all are ruining everything that we're trying to do. And y'all are the reason why people are getting tear gas because p- police policy is if they feel threatened, they're going to use tactics to have themselves, you know what I'm saying, to feel more safe. And then those tactics were rubber bullets and tear gas. So everybody's getting hit with rubber bullets and getting tear gas because of some people that think it's a joke or some people that were trying to go viral by being funny, by throwing eggs at the police. And so like, I'm like, you're, and what I had to try to teach them was, it's like, it's a dangerous game that you're playing. I'm like, for you, it's easy because you can go back to Lakeville live your life like nothing's ever happened. But for us who live in this community day to day, like we're the ones who have to clean up after the mess. Nobody cleaned up the streets after the riots. Like it was literally a bunch of people that started an initiative that went down the streets and started cleaning up the whole community because they weren't going to touch it. You know, it's a governmental thing. And they're just like, well, you guys are making this situation. You guys are doing this. And even and Chauncey can speak from this from a realtor standpoint is now that property value in that whole community has just dropped extremely. And so like, for me, it was one of those things where I'm like, you have to, you, if you're not really down for the cause and and one of the pastors talked about this when she was out there speaking, she's like, if you're not down for the cause, we love you, but you got to (laughs) go because you're making things worse. And so uh, for me, it was just a learning curve to see that some people think that this life is a game yeah. And it's it's a quick a, for quick viewership. And it, it, was, it just was disgusting to me because I'm just like, bro, these are people's lives that's at stake. Right. And that and that that also process that also made me start thinking about how to to get to the younger generation, because a lot of that stuff was caused by people of the younger generation. So I think that was a big thing that needed to be cleared up was the protests and the riots were two separate, two separate wow. things. Johnson, yeah, very. What was your experience? Yeah, for sure. Very two separate things for sure. Uh, when we were protesting, the pre- the protests were pretty pre- peaceful. Um, I actually had uh, uh, one of a few of my youth kids when I youth pastor. They were actually leading some of these protests, uh, which I was super proud to see them in the forefront, like you know, uh, pushing this agenda of justice. And uh, um, at night times, because it was getting so dangerous, I was like, you know what, well, I ain't stand out when it get too dark, so I'm going back home. But they were still out there just working, just, you know, working the streets and just, you know, telling people like, hey, like, don't do this. Don't do that. Trying to, like, maintain, you know, peaceful peacefulness. But in the midst of doing that, there's different multiple different accounts where uh, where they, you know, I was told by other people's stories of they them standing in the crowd about seven o'clock. It's peaceful all the way up. They've been out there for four hours. It's peaceful. And then all of a sudden a group of white men. Uh, would come in with bulletproof vests and whatnot and start uh, yelling and antagonizing the crowd, uh, which ultimately uh, caused other people that are still, you know, dealing with the emotions of what's going on, you know, processing what's happening. They are literally antagonizing the crowd, getting people riled up and and even more mad, throwing stuff at the police, um, talking about we're going to burn this thing down. Before that, the conversations were just like, 
regular protests. Like it was regular protests happening. Like, you know, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, that type of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're going to burn this thing down. It's like, yo, where is all this coming from? So then for me at the protest, I wasn't concerned about the black guy that had his pants sagging when like, that's what white people, some white people are concerned about. I wasn't concerned about that. I was concerned about the kid that's rolling around with a skateboard and some rollerblades uh, talking about he want to be a part of the protest. That's what I was more concerned about. So even as I was walking through protests, you could see it. Literally, there's, you know, which I, I, I was super grateful. You have some white males that some older white men and you, bro, the protest was beautiful. It was so diverse. It was just a, it was like what heaven should look like um, to a sense for certain protests. And then also some of the protests were, I'm a juice no, it was more white people at the protest than it was black people. And I was like, let's go. Like they, 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 you know what I'm saying? They making it happen. Like they, they, they supporting us. Like, and that's the thing as minorities, we need the support of majorities in this situation and in this fight. So I was, I was excited to see that. And, uh, but you know, the protests were definitely changing uh, when it got a little bit darker and that consistently happened throughout the night to the point where they were, there was like white supremacists that were, you know, just in the neighborhood, literally walking around with, with literally rifles and, semi-automatics and stuff like that and just walking through our neighborhoods it was so bad to the point there was like military grade tanks rolling through the hood yeah yeah <laughs> like, i was gonna touch i was gonna through. touch on that after you done yeah because what Chauncey was saying it almost seemed like it was that shift there's a reason why riots was happening at night because and i'm and I, i'm not even thinking when you're talking about thinking logically you got to think people have been protesting all day they're not gonna be up late trying to arson we we got things to do we going to bed you know what i'm saying it's so like seeing that you there was a different group hey, of turn people it down a little even, bit. oh i was like what <laughs> and uh but one of the things that I, I had even with our um with our pop-ups that we was doing um we were we were being antagonized and threatened by by white supremacists as well to the point where um Cause after, cause after the first night, everything was kind of iffy. Like everybody was kind of on edge. Like, okay, who in this crowd is about to start something? You know what I'm saying? Like, who in this crowd yeah. is about to about to to start a riot? And a lot of us were like, well, we gonna have to stop them before they stop us because then we're gonna pay the price. And even during the pop up, it got it got to a point where, like Chauncey was saying, there were literally white supremacists that would drive down from or drive up from other states to like be a part, kind of similar to the Kenosha incident in a way where people were just coming with military like like weapons and there were people in semi-trucks that would drive around with Confederate flags over in North Minneapolis and it got so bad that our pop-up had to be watched by the National Guard. So we had National Guard kind of driving around our pop-ups to make sure that our that it was safe because we had got a couple threats from people um, day two um after the day our video had went viral and we had all this food and stuff that we were giving out um so they didn't actually stay on the premise because it was pretty cool that they said that so we sat down with them and they were like we don't want to we don't want to seem like we're policing you guys and we don't want to bring any fear to your community based on what's going on so we're just going to kind of maneuver through the neighborhood kind of be um as invisible as we possibly can but we've had numerous we've seen the threats that have come in and we want to make sure that you guys are staying safe and so we've had people that have come in disguise as as media guys and they're just like, oh, here's our business card. And we look at their business card and it's not a real website. And they're just kind of walking around, peeping, taking pictures of what we're doing. 
And then the next day we come back and we'll have cones missing, uh, spray paint on the on the concrete and different things like that. And so, yeah, but that's stuff that you'll never see in the news because they'll they'll never talk about that part. And so I think that's what that's where the conversation comes in and what Chauncey was saying about about being hurt for people not checking in is it's it's one of those things where like you can't and I know people say this all the time, but you can't believe everything that you see on the TV, and especially if you know somebody that's in that community or you know somebody that's going through that life. How can you not like how can you degrade somebody's lifestyle or tell them that what they're saying isn't true or tell them what they're doing is is dramatic because that belittles them. And that's 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 how the Black Lives Matter. I won't I won't even say like the organization, but the movement as a whole was, was created is you have a bunch of people who look like us that are saying hey my life matters too like my situations that i go through matters too like i deserve to right. live just as much as you deserve to live and so a lot of people take that and be like well all lives matter and it's just like we know that but right now our voice isn't being heard yeah and by you saying that is com- further confirming that our voice is not being heard you can't belittle somebody's situation and say like oh well, you did that to yourself or nah, you're being dramatic. That 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 can't be possibly going based and, on and, because of how you live your life and how you see the world. Right. You're telling somebody that and, oh and no, I, you're doing go ahead, Johnson, my bad. And I, I think no, no, you good. I, I just think also too, just you know, going off of what you just said, I think as believers, we have to stop putting the Black Lives Matter phrase together with the Black Lives Matter organization as believers. That's two different things, you know, yeah. Jews like, and you know that's what I'm the saying? biggest like, argument. Yeah. And that's the biggest argument for us that we've been trying to have with people. It's like, bro, they're not the same thing. Like the Black Lives Matter organization was created after people started protesting about Black Lives Should Matter. And then yeah. the organization created an organization to do whatever some of the evil doings that they're doing to yeah. try to corrupt the, I think, awesome, ultimately corrupt the, 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 the power of that phrase the Black Lives yeah. Matter, Matter phrase. And they're not the same thing. When Black people are con- um, talking about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about the lives of Black people in this country and around the world. We're not talking about an organization. So just because I say Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that I support an or- this organization. And we got to yeah. draw the line there and not keep putting those things in the same um, the same boat because they're not the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I and honestly, I think that a lot of times people know that. But going back to what I said, it it's the comfortability, the excuse that you have to be comfortable with the situation that you are in so that you don't have to go out and, and be a part of the change. Because a lot of people don't want to take that risk. But it's mm-hmm. like Jesus has called us to go out. And it's like how do like what you were saying, Pastor Evan, was um when we were like oh how do i know you know what i'm saying how do i know that i'm serving you and what you do for the least of these you do for me when i was naked you clothed me when i was hungry you gave me food and so those those are all actions that we as christians need to to be on top of and so mm-hmm. for me it's like it, yeah and i think one of you guys were saying that it's like how can you i think it's you pastor evan um when you were saying like how can you see somebody who's hurting and make a justification for not wanting to go help that person in their time of need. And it's, yeah. it, it's just one of those things that, well, one, we as a church need to work on. But like I said, no whole organization will ever be on one accord because 
we we have selfish we have selfish entire it's, it's in our nature to to right. do that but our whole goal of living is to be like christ yeah. we'll never be christ but it's always to be like christ it's a progression that's what life is it's always you're always wanting to grow and become better and i think that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest things because you can have all the spiritual gifts and one of my favorite my favorite chapters in the bible ever is first corinthians 12 and 13 where we talk because we talk so much about the spiritual gifts, but we always forget about the next chapter where Jesus says, oh, yeah, you can have all of that stuff. Yep. But if you don't love nobody, then all of that means nothing. And so mm -hmm. that's a way that I try to live my life. And I'm like, love is the most powerful mm -hmm. changer. Like we look at John 316 and, you know, it's like one of those VBS verses that you learn as a kid. That's the first verse that you learn as a kid. And you're just like, oh, yeah. But we don't realize how powerful that mm -hmm. verse is. It's like for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, like, he loved us so much that he gave up his own for us to be saved. And so if we want to be like Christ, if we're called to be Christian, we need to be able to love one another the same way that Christ has loved us, which is means giving up what we feel comfortable with to help somebody that we know is in less of need. So I think that's even if we don't thing. understand. Yeah, exactly. I, I would even say, especially when we don't understand. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I would say that's, that's the, the time where, that's the time where we got to do it the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, I know you guys have talked a, a lot about some of this already, but is there anything else that you guys want to add that maybe the media didn't highlight or didn't show that, that you guys saw there on the ground? They didn't highlight enough good, man. They didn't highlight enough. Like, bro, like if you would have saw from the, from the news, bro, you would have literally thought that like it was nothing but bad stuff happening the yeah. whole time. And that's Our what other people were telling shambles. Yeah, like now, yeah, granted that first day when all this stuff started happening, oh my gosh. It, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna also tell you something too. Like my brother-in-law actually went down there the first night when the riots first uh the the looting and the buildings were being burned that first night. And he said he said it was so crazy because he was like, it was actually it was not it he said it wasn't any fear. He said it was a lot of just like joy and happiness. <laughs> with all these buildings being burned that he said you could see people people just walk in having fun laughing music playing people dancing but buildings around them being burned and uh to me that 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 showed me something um personally what does that mean explain that what, what i don't uh, to me it it showed i think it showed a sign of the amount of anger frustration pain that people had that they felt like this community that people say oh why you burn down your own community why are you doing it well those people in that community don't own anything they don't own the target they don't own the gas station they don't own the auto store they don't own their own homes um so how can it be their community if they don't own anything in it um so i think for me it was just people that felt hopeless and felt like things for them has always been unfair to see them. You know, it's just like that whole thing of feeling like you're getting payback type of thing, you know, like, yeah, we got them back now. And yeah. my brother-in-law said it was just so much joy with these buildings burning. He was like, I was so confused. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you know that that area is predominantly home, a homeless area. So those people like seeing those buildings burn, and being able to go and get food and 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 clothes and stuff that they only dream that they can have to be able to do that uh, was um, 
I think was I think it was just a different perspective. And for me, it was just like, yo, like my heart was just like, like I was literally on Twitter. I didn't go down there, but I was like literally watching Twitter and watching the Facebook lives of people that were down there. Why all this stuff was going on as well. And I'm like, my heart was just dropping like, yo, yeah. all these buildings being burned up. blah blah blah. blah. And then the first the first day, you just kind of like, is this really happening? This this can't be happening. So the very next morning, me and my wife, we because I wrote I, I used to ride my bike every single morning for a long time. And uh, and literally, as I'm riding my bike, you I can get, you know, once I get to like a top of a hill, I can just see, uh, you know, the city a little bit better. And you're just seeing in every single direction in St. Paul, Minneapolis, South Side, North Side, you just see smoke just in the air from wow. every direction. And you're just kind of overwhelmed to the point like I literally stopped on my bike one day and I got off and I just started praying. Like I'm like and my and I was literally to the point. It was one day. So we drove over there. I'm trying to stay on track. We drove over there and we started kind of wanting to see what was going on. Right. So we go over to the <laughs> to the space where all these buildings are being burned. And this is the funny, but also sad, uh, you know, so I see one guy, he's coming out of the building and he's, he's encouraging other people to go and get them some stuff. So he's walking out. He has like five Gatorades in his arm and he like, and this is inside the target. The target is like completely dark smoke. The, the fire, um, fire, um, the fire people try to take, you know, put the fire out. So the sprinklers are still going off and everything. And it's flooded in there and he's going there. He's coming out. He's like, man, y'all need to go get y'all some stuff. Go get y'all some stuff. <laughs> so, so in the midst of like a serious moment, you just like you can't help but laugh at some people because they're just acting crazy, acting a fool. Obviously, you have opportunist people in these situations, but then the sad part was seeing like like single moms pulling up, you know, with them and their kid in the car in the car seat, and another lady yelling at the mom saying, "Girl, you need to go get you some food for your kids." And that started to really hit home and like touch me because people are complaining about the riots and everything, but we're not complaining about the economic gap. Yeah. Because the thing is, is if those people had the resources and they had the things that they needed, you think that many people would have to go down there and riot and loot and steal and do all these things. That wouldn't be the case. Like that, like I have no reason. I didn't have no reason to go down there. My, none of my siblings or family or friends had a reason. I had like one friend that went down there because he's an opportunist that stole some liquor. But besides that, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have people that's just going down there stealing stuff. Why? Because the people that I know didn't have a reason to do that. Yeah. They didn't have a reason, you know, but like, I, yeah, I just think, I just think it's, we have to keep perspective of everything that's going on. And, and, and ultimately I've never been around a black person. Actually, I, I, I'm lying. I have. My mom used to always cut a joke. I'm going to blow this B up. Um, I've never seen my mom blow anything up. Um, I've never seen another black person blow anything up. I've been black my entire life, as you can see. And, uh, and I've never seen a black person say, oh, I'm going to make a bomb and blow this thing up. Just like the same thing. Like I've, my mom will always say growing up, I'm going to put my foot in your that's not even lot. That's not even logically possible. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of things that people say that's actually not possible and that people don't understand. So in the black culture, for people that are listening in the black culture, um, I've never experienced anybody in, in the black culture knowing how to blow things up and um, 
and do all those things, which is a little bit different. doesn't mean that they're, that they're not doing it. But the thing is, is when you hear about these situations and then you start to see different like things that are in your community, like, for example, a barbershop that used to be Mr. Afro's barbershop, which is like a legendary spot in the city in North Minneapolis, where most of the people in the community go and get a haircut. Most of the family members, grandkids, grandparents took their kids there to that barbershop, that barbershop getting burned up. That's not a black person doing that. Yeah. Why would they burn up the same barbershop that their kids go to? Like, it, it just doesn't add up. So then when you start to see different buildings in the community that people like actually like was like a, a pivotal, like, like pillar in the community being burned, you start to think like something's not right here. You know what I mean? And then you start to see on social media of these white boys coming down from coming from Wisconsin and from the suburban communities getting caught trying to burn buildings, just like where George Floyd was murdered. I had a couple friends that were at the protest at the time and they saw these three white boys jumping on top of the gas station, trying to burn the gas station up while people were out there protesting. Mm. And they could have, they could have beat these kids up pretty bad. And they just yelled at them and said, you need to get out of here. Blah, 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 blah. But when you see those, these kids had a gas can, so you can't justify it. I'm, I'm tired of people trying to justify stuff. That's clearly obvious. If you have any type of common sense, these yeah. kids have, freaking gas cans even in my community where i was living where i sleep there's people setting off bombs white men setting off bombs in the parks and stuff like that so literally for like a two-week span every single night you just hear bomb going off bombs going off non-stop constantly you literally people from my church they're driving past and they see a, a car with an unmarked car no tabs no license plates no nothing but you have gasoline and propane in the car and at midnight the car just set gets set on fire come on bro like that's not like let let's use some type of logical sense like that's not black people in the community why would i burn just burn up a random car in my community randomly yeah. it, it's just it's just i don't know it's just a lot and it's very frustrating to be honest but yeah man <laughs> um i i know that was like a crazy time and still a crazy time. Uh, I just want to say, man, I appreciate you guys not just being on this podcast, but I appreciate what you guys have done, like getting involved and not just sitting back and, um, and doing it with faith and love. And man, I appreciate what you guys have done since then. And I think we have a long way to go. You know, I, I think this is just a situation where there's going to be another George Floyd there's going to be another Ahmaud Arbery. There's going to be another Breonna Taylor. It's just a matter of time. And, and by that, I mean, we have a lot of work to do. And I appreciate you guys for, uh, for being willing to do your part in that work. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. We appreciate Thank you, you creating for, the platform, you. man. To, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, being a bridge, that. man. Like you being yeah. a bridge, man. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, y'all know you, you, you do what you feel like God is leading you to do. And there's a whole lot of times where you're like, God, is, is this, <laughs> are we making any ground? Is this, yeah. is this making any impact? But, you know, I always say like our job as Christians is just to be obedient. God, yeah. God is the one who brings the results. So that's his business. Our job is just to yeah. be obedient. And I, I appreciate you guys. Cause I think you've, you've done that here. I think you've done that in your life and, Man, y'all are awesome. Hey, how can people connect with y'all? If, if somebody wants to continue this conversation with y'all, how, how can they find you online or how can they connect with you? Please, 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 please 
if you want to have a conversation, please hit me up. I'm down for these conversations because I think that, you know, some <laughs> me and my wife are different. My wife, she she gets a little bit more irritated at having these conversations because uh, she's like, this should make sense to you. But for me, I, I'm like I'm cool with the conversations. It's challenging. I'm willing to be hurt in order to empower and inspire other people to um, show empathy. So you can hit me up on um, on Twitter or not Twitter. I, I use Instagram on Instagram at at hoops and Christ um, on Instagram or at Chauncey Hollingsworth on Instagram. And, and, and I would love to build relationships and connect with more people and figure out how we can impact more people together. So awesome. Juice, what about you? How can people continue this conversation with you? Yeah. Uh, you can hit me on my cash app. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he is not kidding. He is not kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, realist on a real note. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm big on having these conversations as well. And I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big person on love. Um, I think, that was got like well that was Jesus' ultimate commandment and um how I try to live my life. So I'm a, I'm gonna have these conversations with love. I used to get frustrated, but now I realize that getting frustrated doesn't help me or you. So um mm-hmm. you can hit me up on Instagram as well, um at the real uh Juice Sudden or you can uh find me on Facebook uh, at Joseph Sudden or Joseph Juice Sudden. Um and I'll definitely connect with you and, and we can have a conversation and I can like Chauncey said I can share my story. Um, it's a, it's a, this is a hard one, but it's one of those things where I feel like that my, my testimony does open a lot of eyes. And I think that's, I think God uses my testimony to be able to do that. But um, I'm also a funny person. So it's not going to be all heartfelt. Like there's going to be a joke in there because I don't really like heavy moves either. So I, <laughs> I, there's going to be, there's going to be some time we're going to enjoy. And so I, I think that it's a conversation that needs to be had. And um, real change won't come unless we love one another. And real change won't come unless we have these conversations with, with our Caucasian brothers and sisters. Man, I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Thank man. You. Thank you. Hey, uh, I'm praying you. for you, Pastor Evan, man. It's hard being an Atlanta fan. I know, so I'm keeping uh, you with my prayers. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to edit this part you. out. This part out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What an amazing conversation. I'm so thankful for those two guys. And that does it for this bonus episode of season one of 1721. Again, thank you, Chauncey and Juice, for kicking off uh, these bonus episodes and sharing a little bit of your journey. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We will put their contact uh, social media information in the show notes, as well as Uh, other ways that we can continue this conversation. Man, thank you so much for listening. See you on the next episode of 1721.